Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, amateur podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. We're going to get to know the skiers and riders in this year's film, Face of Winter, presented by Volkswagen. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are going to go beyond the curated Instagram pages and dig deeper than just the stories of getting sponsored. It's time to strip off the layers and get to know the person underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hey everybody, I'm Amy Ingerbetson and welcome to Long Underwear. Today on the podcast, I have Kaylin Richardson, who is someone I just love seeing you every time I see you. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's so good to be here. I just love seeing your beautiful face and you just make people happy. I feel like that smile could bring countries together. Oh my gosh. I, I know. Like maybe you should be an ambassador or a diplomat <laughs> when you transition in your second life because I don't know who could be in a bad mood in a room with you. See, maybe this is why I like hanging out with you because you give <laughs> such amazing compliments. I think that anyone Thank that knows you. you though, it's like you've just got that, I mean, akin to... I don't know, just this beautiful, genuine smile. I think that that's one of the things when I see ski photos of you, it makes me want to ski because a lot of times it'll see the smile. For me, I'm so so aggressive that I, uh, it's, I don't know if it's for my ski racing days or whatever. <laughs> you have this beautiful smile. Early and often, I'm like, I need to practice that. <laughs> yeah, I have a smile problem. It's because my dad like groomed me to be like a ski model, basically, from a young age. And he used to ski behind me. We were doing photo shoots when I was a little girl. And he'd say, turn, smile turn, smile. And so I just can't, like, I can't not smile. Even when I'm doing something cool, I'm like smiling like no, a little cheese. but things that are cool should you. be, you should be smiling Skiing's when fun. you, when you, you do smile cool when you ski. And that's okay to be smiling. I remember I, there are some bro bras that always cover up their face and I'm always like, maybe it's because they've just got a big silly grin and they don't, <laughs> and it will like lower their cool factor. They won't look like such a bro, but Totally. Whatever. I mean, I, think, I do that sometimes when I'm going to do something rad. I'm like, don't ruin this with a smile. I'll like put my buff up. <laughs> but same thing. There are lots of times where when we're ski touring, they're always like, even with Warren Miller, they'll say, can you be less smiley? And I'm like, but this is my favorite thing. <laughs> and there are so many outtakes where finally this year they just said, you're out. We're just going to shoot the guys. Yeah. Ski touring because you just look Too goofy. Well, that's good. I want to talk about this year filming with Warren Miller. You're in the movie this year and you were filming up at Red Mountain, which what was that like? Had you been there before? I'd never been to Red Mountain. I'd always sort of heard of it as part of the Powder Highway. But you hear about Revy and all those different ones that are, are maybe the more known, perhaps. Bigger. Bigger, exactly. And Fernie I'd been to and that kind of thing. But Red was always on my radar, but it's a little bit farther south in the Kootenays. And and I'd always heard about it, but I didn't really know. It's I flew into Spokane. It's not far. No. Uh, the best border crossing ever. Seriously, I went through the border crossing. No one's there. It's this little two-lane road. And as I'm coming in, I have my paperwork and everything, and I'm, I'm prepared. And he looks at me, and he goes, oh, are you here with Lauren Miller? And I go, yes, I am. And he goes, Oh have gosh, fun. you're so lucky. I know. I've gotten tortured at that border. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. so. I think sometimes they're lonely. Maybe, and they just want to talk to you. Yeah, but I'm glad you had a good experience. Yeah, maybe it was that smile. Maybe it got you into trouble. They're like, I want to spend more time with that <laughs> smile. Maybe. <laughs> So you guys had Pow and you ski toured and who's the young guy you were skiing with? He rips. Simon Hillis. Definitely. If you don't know that name, you will mm-hmm. put it in the back of your brain bucket because he's going to do big things. He just has this flow to his skiing that's so amazing. And he is Red Mountain, Red Mountain's son, I would say. He's done really, really well in the free, free ride world tour, but he's still so young. When we were totally. skiing, he had just turned 16. Maybe he was still 15. Oh my gosh, he's that young? He's that young. Whoa. He had to go to school. He couldn't shoot with us every day. He definitely, his school, I guess, is very supportive and said, yeah, you can go. But he had to go to school, I think, two of our shoot days 
because he had tests or something. Yeah. And just Simon's he, going places. Yeah, he is. And it's one of those things where he skis so strong, yet his tricks are also really strong. He's I don't know if trifecta is even the right word because I think he's even more multifaceted than that. But it was really fun to watch him. And also to have a guy to take Dennis. The other skier was Dennis Rizval from Norway. I would say he's the king of backflips. Just we'd be on cat tracks and just a teeny little lip. He'd just pull a backflip. I almost skied off the cat track into the trees three different times because I'd be looking and just, oh my gosh. I just love seeing backflips. I think they're great. Um, so Simon would show us places and it was great as we'd be in this really cool mini golf zone and he would actually talk us into things. And especially if you're seeing a ski, he's really wise beyond his ears. He'd see what my strengths are and he would try to be nice about it. He'd be like, Kaylin, I think you should maybe go right. I'm like, yeah, where there's not a lot of air. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> there's not there's like a mandatory air at the end but it's like a five footer not a 20 footer and I go all right he Simon, sounds awesome you get me yeah he was great he was great well it seemed like a really fun segment it seems it's the opening segment it is which is cool it's very cool definitely start off with some pow and some amazing ski patrollers and just really I think that the the segment really encapsulates the whole ski community because Roslyn the town that Red Mountain is in it really is I wouldn't even say a throwback it's just a special place sure uh, where a lot of people, they were so welcoming. Because sometimes you go to those places and they're not that psyched you're there. They're, you know, the locals will say, totally. well, you're going to put this on the map. They weren't that way at all. They're just, yeah. They were excited to have us there, but they definitely all were very proud of it. And a lot of people would just say, hey, isn't this, isn't this great? And I said, yeah, this is amazing, the terrain there. I'd say probably top three best steep tree skiing experiences I've ever had. Whoa, that's trees a big rating. Steeps. That is a big rating. Oh, I got to go. Yeah. I've never been. I yeah. want to go. Oh, 100%. And the town is really cool. A really eclectic little town where they've got cute coffee shops. You know, just the things that you – like a place you could that curl up for area in an afternoon. area of BC is my favorite. Yeah, I wish awesome. I could live up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, so you've been in a lot of Warren Miller movies at this point. Do you know how many? I, this is my eighth segment, I wow. believe. Se- seventh year. So, Do yeah. Do you have a favorite? Oh man, that's like a hard question. It's really hard because I would say that there's ones. I think that we all set ourselves at a high bar. You want to show the world what you're capable of. So there might be a segment where I think I skied really well. That might be. It's funny though the names of them. That's what gets jumbled. Is I can be like the Norway trip when we went to Lofoten, but I think the Norway trip when we were in the Southwest Fjordlands, I felt like I skied really well. But it was a big struggle with conditions. Yeah, um, that was last year. That no, that was five years ago. Oh, yeah, last year we were in Lincoln Alps. I've been oh. to Norway a lot. Helly Hansen. Oh, so I'm jealous. so I feel so lucky to be with a company that's based out of Norway. That's Norwegian because Norway is my dreamland. I love it. I love it so much. People say, "Don't you get? Do you ever get sick going there?" I go, "100 percent not." Yeah, I. I love it. So I've been there three different times. Um, and I think it's just the people you're with. I've never been on a trip where people, even when it's been a struggle, which I'd say most segments, we keep that out of the movie. But a lot of times you're just, yeah. you know, scratching your head saying, I don't know if we're going to get good conditions. I don't know what's really going to be the narrative arc of the segment to bring all the vignettes together. Uh, but it's always been fun. And I don't know, we're out there skiing for a camera. How could you not be joyful no matter what? Well, I think that that's the thing that, Um, you have to embrace, like for me, it's the joy of facing those problems and making it all come to life and then getting to share it with other people. Like that's something I actually love. If I just love to just ski just for myself, just where I wanted to, when I wanted to, well, then I wouldn't be a professional skier. (laughs) That is so true. Cause people always say, when do you get to ski for yourself? And it's kind of, you have to make time. It's a double question. Cause I'm like, well, I ski for myself every day, but when it's purely where there's no camera and no underlying thought process where no I snowballs. think, well, even just posting things, we, <laughs> totally. social media is such a big part of the industry. Now there's always something in the back of my mind. It's, it's just maybe a handful of days where it's just purely 
that. But what I will say is that every day I try to have what I call my solo session where I go out for a run for myself, just one run, you know, it doesn't even need one, two, three runs where I just say, I'm just going to kind of go Zen, you know, and just ski. Yeah. Um, and it can be anywhere. Commitment. Yeah. It can be a groomer. It can be pal. It can be, it can be like chunder. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. as long as I'm like, you know what, this is just for me and I'm just going to ski. I think that's important to continue to have that untarnished just love for it so that it doesn't become too much like a job. Yeah. It's never that much like a job. No. I really, like that advice. I really need to isn't. incorporate that maybe. Yeah. <laughs> just bring in the Zen. Everyone's yeah. I mean, it really, it can be half of a run. It just really depends. Even when I take people guiding, Maybe we ski until the end of the day, but the, I really try to be present. I think that that's something that happens when you get older is you try to be present. One of my favorite, Warren Miller, uh, when we were up in Lofoten, it was t- really tough conditions. Like, mm-hmm. like we're talking ice, rhyme. We were basically skiing rhyme the whole time. And I probably is the one that I look back at the most fondly because it was so beautiful. And it really took, like you said, the problem solving where mm-hmm. you say, we want to make something amazing. We want to highlight these amazing mountains, these amazing people that have welcomed us so warmly. And that kind of, it's more of the thinking person segment, but I love those kind of experiences. Yeah, me too. Well, like I said, if you didn't love it, we'd do something else. <laughs> That's very true. But it's a pretty good gig. But I, um, gosh, there's so much we could talk about with you skiing. You're an Olympian, yada, yada, yada. But guess what? Time's up. We're not skiing. We're talking about skiing anymore. So I call it the S word. No more skiing. No more skiing. No more S word. No more S word. Are you ready for it? I'm, 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 I'm buckled up and ready. Sweet. Um, okay. So I'm going to start with asking you. So you grew up in the Midwest. I did. And now you live on the West Coast. You've been living on the West Coast for a long time. I have. So from a very young age, I was doing something that shall not be named that I started traveling at about 15 a lot. But yeah, yeah, based on Minnesota, which people get really surprised by. Totally. And I loved growing up in Minnesota. Well, that's what I want to ask. I want to ask, like, so the difference is to me, so I went to school in the Midwest. I went to college, art school. Chicago, Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. And nothing to do with the S word. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was crazy because I grew up on the West Coast, and I found the cultural differences between the Midwest and the West Coast fairly profound. (laughs) And so I'm wondering to you, like, do you notice those differences still? What do you like about, what do you miss about the Midwest kind of values or culture back there? And kind of what are you grateful for out here on the West Coast? Totally. I think that the largest difference between the Midwest and the West is there's warmth and there's joy no matter what. I feel like the Midwest is a lot of people in the Midwest, they grew up in the Midwest where maybe they went to school someplace else, but that's where they come back to. So it's very family oriented. Sure. Where I think in the West, it it's a lot of times more transient where people have, they've come from the East or the Midwest and they've moved to the West, mm-hmm. uh, where you kind of have to find your family, uh, which I think is awesome. Because in the West Coast, it's a lot like, I don't have family that live near me right now. So it's like, you have to find those people that you have to find your tribe. Where in the Midwest, it is a little bit more very, very family-oriented, which is awesome. Yeah. I'd say that there's pros and cons to both sides because there is some some really great uh, aspects of finding your own family, even if they're not blood. But then there are times where you can't really replicate blood either. So it's in the Midwest, there are times where when my family all gets together, I'm, I think, oh, but I make an effort. I'm going back. Yeah. You know, I spend Halloween with them. I try to every year. Oh, Halloween. I've, I know. I have three <laughs> nephews, eight and under, oh. and Halloween's so much fun with them. Do you have a costume yet? I don't. I always try to have some sort of superhero because that's very, I don't know if you've heard, but that's pretty big for the, the under 10 little boy set. 
You know, I'm not that close with a lot of under 10 little boys, but I can see that. <laughs> I feel like I should preface all those comments if I ever bring that up in passing with someone where I go, by the way, I'm super big with the under 10 young boy set. They'd probably either, if they knew me a little bit, I hope people would give me the benefit of the doubt. But yes, actually, this is one of my proudest moments of the last six years um, when my eldest nephew, his name is Sawyer. He asked his mom, he is, he's seven now. Yeah, seven. Um, he asked his mom probably f- three or four years ago when, when he was probably five, around five. Uh, he went, I wasn't there. I was not privy to this conversation, but his mom told me. Um, he went, mommy, is Auntie Kalen a big kid or, an, or a grown up? Like, he's <laughs> like, is she just freakishly big in my age? Or is she like a grown up that I've never come across? And that was a total win for me. That's where awesome. Where I'm, I'm not outwardly crazy. I'm definitely also a disciplinarian. When they're being little punks, I will, I'll give them timeouts, and they know that. So they, all, they respect the authority that is Auntie Kalen. But you're a big kid. Oh my gosh! When we go to the <laughs> playground, oh, it's so much fun. Do you have to sit at the grown-ups table at Thanksgiving or family dinners? We at family dinners. My parents have started this new thing where. I like it, but the kids sit at the table with us. I think that that is coming where now our little nieces, part, I have two older brothers, um, since February, Lily's come into the fray. And I think that when she gets old enough with four of them, they'll probably, and Get maybe, you know, maybe becomes five. I don't know what my older brother's plans are. Um, they, will, they will have a kid table, probably because they just won't want to be. At this age, they still like being at the adult table, and I get that. They want to be in the in the mix. Yeah. But I think there'll come a time where they go, this is boring. Well, sometimes it just they only make tables so big. They do, exactly. Right now, we are busting at the seams, but Linda Richardson, I'll tell you what, she is the ultimate <laughs> mama bear. If there is a way to get us all around one table, she will find it. I remember even when we were growing up, she'd take the ping pong table in our uh, in our basement and take these huge ply, pieces of plywood during Thanksgiving and Christmas, oh and then the plastic, big plastic uh, tablecloth so that it looked like one huge table so that the entire family were talking upwards of 30 people. Could The kids would still, it was funny, the kids would still have a kid's table, but at least all the adults with all the cousins, everything could sit yeah. together. You were so far away from the people at totally. the table that so I feel like it was kind of This totally silly. reminds me, though, of all my friends and their families that I knew in the Midwest. And I think that's something that like I was attracted to out there for sure. Um, but then I also love parts of the West Coast because I'm here. But I could not get used to calling people Mr. and Mrs., because yeah. we didn't do that growing up. And and my dad hated it when we go back there. And my college boyfriend, I have to call him Mr. Ingerbretson. He's like, oh, no, that's I, not going to work. <laughs> I've been in the West Coast long enough that I have I have sort of evolved where it's really – I always – especially if it's kids, I always will say whatever the parents want. You know, I'll be like, what they say, if, however they introduce me, I'll respect that. But I like being Kalen. Like, I'm, I'm Auntie Kalen and everything. But what I will say, I have cousins from Texas, from the South. First cousins on my dad's side. My mom's side's the more the Midwest. And I'll tell you what, it's funny, the whole ma'am thing. I'm mm-hmm. at an age where I sort of was, I had mixed feelings about ma'am. Yeah, it's hard. In my head, a ma'am is a matronly old woman. But you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to start like a hashtag or something. I'm going to embrace the ma'am. You own where, ma'am. Yeah, like it's powerful. And it's funny. Well, it's respectful. When, when Southerners say it, it's different. Yeah. Like, like, Thank you, ma'am. Like when my cousin's husband, who's this six five was on the D-line at Rice University. When he says, ma'am, it is the most charming, most endearing thing sure. ever. So I just say, most of the time I say, give people the benefit of the doubt, but you're right. The Mrs. Well, Mr. ma'am Mrs. is better than like sugar or totally. sweetie or well, any that, of these things. that has some connotations. Totally. Where but that ma'am, can happen in more like the South. To- totally. Absolutely. Because I feel like that's kind of patronizing. Ma'am is just, it is a forte. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Because I've been called ma'am a couple times recently. I'm like, ma'am? Who's the ma'am? Not I know, me. I know. But maybe I like and embracing maybe, the ma'am. Embrace the ma'am because I think that I'm – I've had friends be like, I want to be Miss until I'm 60. And I go, do you? Do you want to be Miss that long? Because the way I look at it is in your 20s, you're a Miss. you got a lot to figure out. But I'm in my 30s now, and I say that I've grown a lot and embrace the ma'am. Yeah. I like being my own woman. Okay. <laughs> ma'am. The 30s is the era of the ma'am. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, okay. So you are always so positive when I see you and you always have a nice thing to say to someone. And so I have kind of a twofold question is like, do you have a secret to being so positive? And second, does it ever crack? Oh, that's a really good question. So <laughs> I know like, oh, for sure. I think everyone has their dark moments, but so when I was done with the racing, I won't use that yeah, word. Yeah. That was about Dance 2010. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was 2010. And it was a transitional period, even though I still knew I wanted to stay in the community, in the realm. Uh, but I made a really concerted decision where it kind of, I wouldn't say it was necessarily an epiphany because it wasn't like a lightning bolt at one point. It kind of came into its own being. I have a dear friend that introduced me to this Yiddish word called Fargan. Fargan. Yeah, and there's not a direct English equivalent, but it basically means finding joy in other success. That can be a tough thing. That's beautiful. Yeah, though. it is. But that's the hardest. It is. It is. It is. Bargain. Bargain. Yeah, it's just like, it's like a thing, like finding joy in other people's success. And I remember, so I was about 25, 26, and I said, I want to live my life that way. Because I'll admit, there are moments of jealousy for sure. And I think women especially, we are pitted against each other, mm. whether it's your industry or you're in sports or anything, even in business, because we are not... I think that there's this new emergence of the woman of the mams out there to kind of own it. And I think that a lot of times our culture seems to pit people against each other. We see it in athletics where if it was two guys pushing each other to beat a record or to win something, especially in individual sports, there's this camaraderie story mm-hmm. where they think, oh, look at those guys. They're pushing each other. They couldn't do it on their own. And we celebrate that. Yet if it was two women, they say, oh, you know, it's like, it's, it's different. It's like women aren't allowed to be competitive with each other too. We're supposed to hold each other's hands and braid each other's hair. And if we're not, Mm -hmm. if we're being competitive Mm -hmm. in whatever realm, Mm -hmm. then it's catty. Totally. And sometimes, you know, I'm at fault for that. Sometimes I can be catty, but this, this word. Totally. Say this word again. So far again. Far again. This is amazing. This is like beaming into my brain right now. I need this message. And so it was interesting when it first started, I just made I wrote it down. I was like, I am going to, the moment I start to have, and envy's a little bit different than jealousy because I think, and ah, now they're kind of saying, there were times when I'd be like, oh, I would love to do that. But I just flipped the script where we can, I think if you catch yourself thinking negatively or just thinking in a way that you don't want to exude that kind of energy, there are totally times where I'd see, not even necessarily people in our sport, but in other sports doing things where I've come across them and I wasn't that impressed, you know, just in passing. And, I, and I'd start to have that mental feedback loop where I'm like, why do they get to? And I just stop myself. Mm. And what I do is kind of like what I said before, give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I say, I don't know their life. Like I met them in passing. They might've worked really hard for this. And especially if they're propagating a positive message, then get behind, I'm going to get behind yeah. it. I'm going to get behind it. I think a lot of times people like to hate, especially on celebrities or something where they say, oh, they only are you an ambassador because it's good, good PR. You know, the optics of it are great sure. If that's the truth, you know, so be it. I don't know. I don't know these people. It it could be true. It could not, but you know what? They could make a choice to do something else or do nothing. So even if it's, even if someone you think, well, you, we've met those people where we're like, they kind of suck, 
but you see all the good they're doing. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. That's awesome. And so like, I just, for years, I always was like, anytime I was like, oh man, I really wish I could do that. Or I don't know if they're as deserving. I just stopped myself. And I'm like, you know, I don't don't know their life. So I just said, um, and also I've got a great life. And even if you do know their life. Yeah. Exactly. So there is a secret to being positive, and it's Fargan. <laughs> yeah, Fargan. And I just say oh. that I always just – I'm like, find joy. It's a hard word to remember, but I just say find joy in other success. And I also am a firm believer that there is enough success for everyone. That was the other – that's the other side of that You coin. don't have to have it all. Nope. It's like – and it's also one of those things where I've seen – I've been able to be in the same space as some extremely – like, definition-wise, extremely successful, wealthy – people that are at the top of their field. And I can tell you that they are not happy, Mm. that there are some very wretched parts of their life that makes me feel like it hurts me for them Mm. because I think there's going to be an element of their life later on where they say I really miss something. So I think that another time is like the people that you surround yourself with, right? And we get to do amazing things, but it really comes down to to the connections and the people that you love. So I think that even in the moments where I do go to my dark moments where I'm like, man, you know, maybe something really cool, project falls through. We've all had that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where we think something really great is going to happen. And it's, you know, it's happening. We're about to book tickets or, <laughs> you know, we're at the very end of a contract negotiation and it falls through. Yeah. That happens to everyone. We're lucky enough that we get to do it in a kick-ass sport. Sure. So I try to remind myself at those moments where also I have an amazing partner. And I think that that's true. Is like I hit the jackpot where it's like the people you're around, the family that you have, the family that you found, uh, that's the stuff that I think makes us human. Yeah. I love that. Gosh, that was maybe my favorite answer of the podcast so far. That's a big statement. Okay. So shifting to, you know, maybe opposite of positive, but do you have any pet peeves, like things that just drive you nuts and you cannot stand? Oh, absolutely. What's your biggest one? Sometimes people think I'm such a Pollyanna. I actually am kind of have a dirty head. Like people that know me, like I can... I can make people blush. I've heard this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have, I'm doing some writing that will maybe never come out, but I think it's funny. You should write um, it. <laughs> <laughs> My stuff's not romance. It's more like me and 13-year-old boys would giggle. Um, so you are in with the younger guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just and kidding. 13-year-old girls too, but you know, just like, you know, potty humor, like stuff that's sure. immature. Um no, my girls out there, they can have funny jokes too. Uh, but as far as like pet peeves, um, gosh, what would be a pet peeve? Um, and there's just, you know what it comes down to is in a professional, I, I really try to be prepared when people blatantly don't, especially when they're capable of more. I, I get bummed when people aren't, they are doing less than they are capable of, I guess would be. totally. Also, you know what also is entitlement. I think that that really bothers me. I me think that's a big too. pet peeve, entitlement. I really, and it's funny because that's such a big word for so many different things. That's a tough thing to have a pet peeve about because it's such a rampant, like, problem in our society, especially in the U.S., especially in our demographic. And also in our industry. I think that one thing I struggle with, I'm going to take it to a serious turn, but with all the campaigns that are going on right now, um, being a woman uh, for diversity, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, all those things. I find them so inspiring and it's hard because I think being, I think being a woman, I definitely, the Me Too stuff, I can speak to that and speak to that very, um, very strongly because mm-hmm. um, I have a voice in that. But my friends that are, that are multi-ethnic, I try to be really sensitive to that. But also I think that we need to give each other um, 
we need to meet halfway where I want to help lift those people up. Yeah. And there have been times where maybe I make a faux pas, but I didn't know I did, you know, like, mm-hmm. or being too familiar. And I think it's one of those things as we move forward with all these movements, because I know that like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm necessarily entitled, but I come from a place that I am so, I don't know anyone luckier, like to be born in the family I have, to be white, to be a woman, to be athletic, all those things. Like, how did I get so lucky? Like, that's stuff I grapple with sometimes where how did I, you know, like I've never gone without eating, you know, like I, I just don't. And I've done some stuff in Africa too. Like, it just blows my mind where people can say, there are people, and also with um, mental illness and poverty and homelessness, there are people that the place they are born, they are so behind that we can do all that we can to help them and they will never catch up, you know? And even with helping them, and there can be people that are so short-sighted and so callous where I think that that's the part of the entitlement that I struggle with where they cannot have the compassion to see from another, another side, or they think that people are lazy or they, all those different things. We've heard it. We hear it all the time where that's the stuff that it's not even a pet peeve. It, I seethe. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think the lack of compassion in our world is one of the saddest things, like, daily. It blows my mind, yeah. especially right now with the political climate. Oh, yeah. We don't need to go into it, but, and I, you know, whatever your political ideology, this is a pretty cool story. One of my best friends, Liza Lieberman, lives in Washington, D.C., and she's this champion of, of humanity. Um, she worked for HIAS, which is the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, for many years, and now she's working for a nonprofit that deals with hunger. And she keeps me abreast with things that are happening on at the Capitol and that kind of thing. And she went to a panel recently that gave me so much hope. I, this is secondhand. I was not there. But she said that there was a staunch Republican, staunch Democrat, maybe an independent, and then someone else. But in the whole panel, all they talked about, they didn't even identify exactly what their ideology was. They just talked about how they grew up and how they had how they developed the beliefs that they have. And that is huge where one of them, their parents, then you understand the yeah, their parents had been farmers and had not been bailed out and, you know, had been taken advantage of by the government, what have you. It started to make sense where you say, Oh my gosh, like that compassion, that compassion part of it, where you think of a kid seeing their parents struggle and maybe seeing other people take advantage of certain government subsidies or whatever. You can understand where you're like, Oh man, that would be really hard. And that would, and skew is not the right word. People use that word. It's like that would develop those beliefs. And yeah. then someone else, their parents are professors and at a public university and all those things. Right. And you're like, of course, like that's a more liberal point of view. The, that was the thing that was making me so hopeful. And then at the very end, they had to define what prosperity looked like in our country. Hmm. And they were uncannily alike, like oh. what it looks like. So maybe we're not doomed. But then here's, here's <laughs> the linchpin of it is that the paths that these two different parts of our country to get there are so diametrically opposed. Mm. That's where we have to come together. Where if we have the same goal, can't we find a way to get there? That was, and that was hopeful. She said that it was the coolest panel she's been doing in a while. And I was like, that's what we have to talk about. Like how, Gosh. yeah. It's nice to hear something yeah. somewhat uplifting. Yep, totally. Something near the political arena. I hold that in my head. Like when I see things on TV or on the oh. radio and I'm just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, there are people out there that are willing to discuss, you know, in the same room and say, hey, I, I don't agree with what you think now, but I totally see where you're coming from. I think that that's the first step. Yeah. Okay. A lighthearted question. Yeah. A quick answer. Totally. Of course, we're talking. I'm very, I'm very hard. But this is awesome. And I want to ask this because you mentioned it earlier with the superheroes thing. And actually, coincidentally, one of the things I have down here is that I wanted to ask you, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? flying. Yeah. Anytime like the ones where you're like, you can heal everyone. There's always this, some sort of X files where they're like, will, you know, it actually kills more people. So I think just 
when you have to think superhero, people can, there's always holes in powers. I would say fly. to fly or to apparate. Apparate just like, you know, be someone. Like apparate's Harry Potter. No oh. alert. Where like you can just be, like I could be here and I could be on the top of a Swiss slope. Like right there. Yeah, like a snap. Time travel. But I think flying, like I have a recurring dream where I'm flying. And, flying dreams are the best. Oh my gosh. I also have one where I'm riding a polar bear and that's Aurora Borealis. There's this what? Told, that's the there's, coolest dream there's ever. This, there's this children's book called East of the Sun and West of the Moon. It was very pivotal for me as a young child. I highly recommend it and it has to do with that. So yeah. Isn't that amazing? I want to have riding polar bear it's under. so soft. Bed. Sometimes people try to like bastardize it and they're like, ooh, is it sensual? I'm like, absolutely not. It was just pure joy. Like, and all it is is it's just galloping and like it's so soft and I'm so safe yet it's so exhilarating. It's the best. So I've been trying to be better about lucid dreaming and I'm going to try to have that dream. Do. Try I'm to call you in the morning when I do. Totally. Prime yourself <laughs> beforehand. Be like, Huge polar bear. And, like, we're talking huge polar bear. I'm going to read this book, bear. too, this yeah, children's it's, book. Yeah, it's East of the Sun. It's like, a, it's like a Beauty and the Beast sort of kind of book, okay. but it's great. But, yeah, I, I read the book, and I was like, oh, and then I started having that dream. I have it, like, every five years. That's I haven't awesome. had it in a while. But I have I, my, I dream the same way where I have, like, recurring similar dreams. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's awesome. Okay, so this is something I'm doing on every episode of the podcast. I'm going to do it a little bit different with you. It's a game I like to play in my own life called Two Highs and a Low. Okay. And... I've been asking people on the podcast to do it from the last year of their life. Okay. For you, I want to know. So you were just at you're we're at home yesterday, right? Like yesterday was a home. Yes. Day. You weren't yes. traveling. You nope. weren't on the hill. Mm-mm. So what were two highs and a low from your day yesterday? A totally normal day at home. I'm just trying to think of what I did. Just give me a. Beat. They can be tiny. Like for yeah. yeah. Me, oh no no. I just I, I know that I had something in the morning. Oh, I was on Park City Television. That yeah. was really fun. Um. Um, you know what? Here's what I'll do. The high was I went on a trail run by myself, did not have my phone on me. Love that. It was cold, but it was like, I, and I got it in, I went hard enough that I got that throat, like yeah. chest burn. I don't know if it's lactic acid or what it is. And I love that. Like I really pushed it because I felt ready for it. And I think that fitness is really personal. And I love that where I was like, wow, I really used my body. I really pushed it. Cause that's one of my signs of youth. If I can still sprint, then I still have youth. That's like my marker for it. That was my high. My low was I was very, very tired yesterday, um, and I wanted to get a nap in, but I didn't. Um, and then uh, late last night, like late, late last night, I'm leaving for a trip recently. Um, I thought that uh, I'd done some laundry, but I just saw that I had like a ton of laundry to do. And also, I forgot my posters today. That that's today. Wait, so but those are, that's like three lows. You're only supposed to do one low. You got to give me one more high. One more high yesterday. Maybe it was like. Something your husband did, or um, I had the best in the morning. I at, at that at the studio for Park City Television. Uh, someone I'd not really met before. I was saying hi to everyone and giving them hugs, and then she, you could tell she kind of hesitated. And I said, "Oh no, you're coming in for the real thing." Ooh. And she gave me the most wonderful melting hug. I love good. Yeah, hug. like it was just one of those things where you know sometimes people get a little bit stiff when you really go for it, and I, I tend to go for it. Um, but she just—it was really nice. We had like a moment. Like it was just really. Uh, I think that human touch is—it's a tough so one in this important. day and age, but I think it's really important. So I, that was a super high. That's high. a good high. Yeah, that's a good high. So to wrap up. Did you 
come up with any fun story you wanted to tell me. Oh, man. And again, I would prefer it if it did not have to do with your life. Totally. Well, I can tell one about this morning because we're we're trying to be, like, very of the day. Okay. This morning I was doing some testing at Jaybird, and they make earbuds and headphones, and they're right down the road. So I was like, great. Like, I'd love to give some feedback and, you know, talk to them and that kind of thing. So I'm trying to pair these earbuds with my phone, and... I, everyone has a little bit of insecurity, especially coming from the race world. I'll just say that there are times where I feel kind of like the nerd in the room when it's like cool people. Um, I went to the, actually I went to the powder awards years ago and I didn't know that you were supposed to dress cool. And I dressed in like a dress and heels and I was so out of place. I was the tallest person there except maybe for Todd. I don't, I totally remember that. It was when it was in park city. It was so embarrassing. Like Julian Carr picked me up and he's like, whoa, you look good. He was wearing flannel and like I feel ripped like I jeans. was wearing a dress. You might have been the only one, but you were rocking it. I was like, ugh. Anyway, <laughs> kind of the same sort of thing this morning where I'm. there's some other testers and I'm like sizing them up. I'm like, they look cool. Like, I don't feel cool at all. And as it paired, I must have kept Pandora on and I was listening to the Broadway Showstoppers channel, which, you know what, (laughs) depending on who you are out there, maybe you think that is very cool. I think that that isn't in the outdoor industry necessarily considered the coolest station to be listening to. (laughs) And it like blared out the Chicago song, He Had It Coming. You know, he had it coming. Oh, yeah. And it was so loud. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like trying. And they all like look over at me. And it was, I don't even know how it happened. But it didn't pair right away. So Jaybird, I helped helped him with that. It'll be better. But, um. But yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. That's like awesome. That's like, I like to listen to show tunes when I'm cleaning my house. So well, sue me. Something you might not know about me is I was in the high school musicals <gasps> and I loved it. Oh my gosh. Okay, and tell I me. auditioned with a Chicago song and oh yeah. So you've got it right here. I, if I'm falling asleep on a drive, Wicked soundtrack on full blast. Defying Gravity. Hell yeah. Oh, I have, <laughs> I have annihilated that song in the worst way. Like when you know when you say annihilate, they're like, oh, you killed it. I'm like, no, no, yeah. I, I annihilated. Like if people heard me, they would never listen to that song again because that's why you have to do it in the car yeah my rendition would be singed into their brain okay so before we go I just have to hear this what were your big roles like what so were okay my biggest role was senior year I had a lead a vocal lead and I was the fairy godmother in Cinderella and we did it more like remember the Brandy Whitney Houston one totally yeah and I had a, a dress that lit up and I had like these battery packs on my thighs and I took magic lessons from a local magician and I did all these like sleight of hand tricks and stuff so that is so so just cool. when you think that you're the not coolest person in the room. No, no. You don't know. That, that is <laughs> cool. I still go to local theater. I went to Park, um, Park City High School's local or um, musical. Like, if I'm ever around, I love seeing people perform anything. I do, too. Seeing perform anything, like, I just love it. Anyway. Anything yeah. that's dedicated and live. Let's let's make a theater date. <gasps> oh, 100%. I would love that. It could be the most amateur to the most professional. I don't let's even do care. It. I love it all. I watched the 4-H club do musicals at the Minnesota State Fair many times, and I don't walk away. I watched that whole thing. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Well, it's a date, and unfortunately, we've talked longer than we've ever talked on a podcast for Long Underwear before, so um, I loved it. Kaylin, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody follow you and keep up with all your awesome... Thank you. A little, like, call to action. Um, If you guys like what you heard, please follow me. Uh, I would love that. The best way probably is through Instagram, and it's just at Kaylin Richardson, just my name. I'm fairly easy to find. Um, and, yeah, like, if you ever see me on the slopes, I'm very tall and blonde with a big ponytail. Please come up and say hello. I genuinely love meeting people and um, giving them a high five and maybe taking some turns. Gosh, I love that. I'm just recapping in my head. We have the Fargan. We have the Polar Bear and the Aurora Borealis. Like, we've got show tunes. Like, this is awesome. This has been really great. Thank you so much for being here. Ah, oh, thanks. 
This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. This episode was produced by me, Amy Ingebretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller team. Art is by Barclay Wyrock, and editing and mixing were done by Jason McDaniel. Music from APN. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe. Better yet, leave me a comment or reach out to me on Instagram at aingebretson. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts. Hope you can get out to a Warren Miller show near you, and we'll catch you next time on Long Underwear.